0: I just want to say, Mom, I made it. (laughs) Um, Everyone, my name is Ashley. You guys probably know that, most of you. Um, And I'm going to cut to Chase because I am not a preacher, uh, but I am an apologist. And what an apologist does is um, provide a defense for the Christian faith. And it comes from the um, word apologia, which just means speaking in defense. Um, And this comes from 1 Peter 3, Verse 15 and 16, and it says the following, but in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and reverence, keeping a clear conscience so that when you are accused, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. So essentially all of us are levels of apologists. Like all of us defend whatever worldviews or views that we hold. true, you know? Like, we always defend, like, this is why I need a cookie now before dinner. Like, that's you busy being an apologist, right? Um, But being an apologist is what I dedicate a large portion of my time to. Uh, I speak with atheists, agnostics, uh, Muslims, uh, quite often, uh, progressive Christians, just a whole bunch of people for the sole purpose of providing a rational, logical, scientific, reason for my belief in God and Christianity. All right, so is there anyone here who knows someone who's not a believer, who's not a Christian? This is participatory. Yeah, there, yeah, all right, good, good, good. Um, anyone here have someone in their family or someone close to them that whenever you bring up Christianity or Jesus or anything like that, they bash it, make fun of it, make fun of you for being a Christian? Anyone like, yeah, probably less, a couple less hands. Um, all right, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember me and my wife watching reality TV. I'm not sure what show it was, but it was a couple's thing. I do not watch those stuff usually, but I remember hearing this girl and this guy were on a date. And the guy says, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. So she goes, well, do you actually believe Jesus existed? And he says, well, yeah. And she starts laughing at him. Like, <laughs> and he just sits there. He didn't know what to say, um, which is fair. Uh, but anyone here ever have a conversation with someone who doubted Jesus' existence? Uh, yes. My, my topic is valid for the Jacksons. <laughs> um, you know, but all jokes aside, perhaps that's you sitting here right now. You're just not sure if Jesus actually existed in history, all right? So... I have to think where I was supposed to be right now. I'm like the sweaty, sweaty preacher right now, off to the drum set. Um, so, changing gears. If I were to tell you right now that Dwayne, the Rock Johnson, everyone knows him, he's one of my favorite actors, was here at Springville last week, um, attended our service, would you believe me? No, probably not, right? Yeah, just because I said so doesn't make it true. But what if, hypothetically, you're leaving today, you're leaving the service, and as you're leaving, you hear three more people say where exactly he said. All of them are like, yeah, yeah, he sat in the second row exactly there. And they had coffee with him, they had conversations with him, said how great of an actor he was. um, And they're like, I didn't see him, but okay, fine. Three people claim he was here. Two, would you then believe he was here? I'm oh like, maybe the three of them saw a bold guy. I'm like, ah, it's Dwayne Johnson. All right, right. Cool, cool, cool. So the week comes, you go home, and you see on Facebook. For, for those who are Gen Z, you don't know what Facebook is. Um, it's what us older people go on and post stuff and follow our mom's photos. Um, what if you saw about 20 people post online on Facebook where Dwayne Johnson was, where he was sitting? how they also had coffee with him, how they had conversation. One, one of the people even went to lunch afterwards with Dwayne Johnson. Right? Would you then believe he was here? Like maybe you just missed out. You, know, you didn't see him. Now, it's at this point where it doesn't matter what you believe or not. Because when we look at the standards of a court of law on eyewitness testimony and people corroborating, that's the word, uh, where he was and to like just place him at the scene of the non-crime, like, that would probably stand up. My wife's a lawyer, so I just checked with her. Um, so, you know, that's just a simple example of what eyewitness testimony is and Dwayne the Rock Johnson. But when we as Christians stand here right now, we can probably use our Bible and say exactly who Jesus was, where he was, where he came from, what he did, how he died, does it say that he resurrected, all these types of things. Because we have the Bible. Even if you're a non-Christian and you open the Bible, you'll be able to answer those questions, right? Right, yeah, yeah. Anyone who feels that they wouldn't be able to answer those questions? Good, no hands. All right, if we were to pose a hypothetical and I were to say to you, can you tell me anything about Jesus? You can use the knowledge you've gained from the Bible, but you're not allowed to open it right now. Like, who will be able to say something about Jesus? About what you've learned in Sunday school, anything? Yeah, 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 like, What if I said to you, you're not allowed to open the Bible, and you're not allowed to use knowledge gained from the Bible as the ultimate source eventually. Would you still be able to tell me anything about Jesus? Who would be able to tell me anything? I know there's a couple of apologists here today. Um, Not allowed to use hymns. You're not allowed to use Sunday school stories. Nothing. Because here's the dilemma we face. No, when we refer back to our Bible and we're talking with someone who does not consider the Bible authoritative, to them it's the same as saying, well, you know what? Spider-Man exists because my comic book says so. That's for the Bible tells me so. That's what a lot of people <laughs> online usually say. Um, now I'll pose this in a different way. Um, What's stopping others from claiming truths about what they believe just because their book says so? Like, just because this book says this is true, does that make it true? Well, no. (laughs) Because we have a whole bunch of problems, right? I can write a book tomorrow and change everything, right? Um, But when I go to online conversations... I posted a long video about this talk I'm giving today about the historicity of Jesus. Who was Jesus outside the Bible? And I got a whole bunch of comments because a lot of the atheists, probably 80% of them, don't believe that Jesus was an actual historical character because they've they've never looked where the evidence takes them. So I'm gonna show a couple of comments on my videos that I get. I changed their names. I mean, the one's name was Atheist Comments, right? So I didn't really change it a lot. Um, but here's the first one. So it says, is it the right one? Yeah, yeah, wait a minute. Yeah, there it is. So, wait a minute. People have been saying Jesus is real for 2,000 years, yet you're still trying to prove it. What you have is a book character imagined to be real. So essentially, this person's claiming that we have someone brought into existence by our imaginations. Now, Ask the question to yourself. If someone said this to you, how would you respond? Let's carry on. Second post, second comment. Is that Jesus of Nazareth or Bethlehem or Arimathea or the one that works my lawnmower? I mean, there are lots of Jesus. That's all they said. Now, what this person is trying to do is minimize the topic of Jesus by association with other people just name Jesus now that's a classical straw man just trying to lesser the point that I'm trying to make by bringing up another similarity just because we share the name but if you were to see this how would you respond if you're in no frills tomorrow and someone says this, how would you respond the next comment I got was all right Jesus existed most likely, but what's that really matter? Yeah, yeah, I got the right one there. Um, The fact that a historical person, Jesus, existed doesn't do anything to bring any real validity to the Christian religion. As the Christian religion is not just based on some teachings that Jesus said, it is supernatural at the core and includes a bunch of extraordinary beliefs that this this does nothing to prove. When he says this, he's referring to my video. Now, the person says, well, why does this matter? Well, for us being Christians, the existence of Jesus is pretty crucial since we're following the teachings of Christ. So, you know, why does this matter? Well, for us in our worldview, this is of significant importance. Um, but one thing he was looking at was supernatural evidence, which I found interesting because I, I, I bring this up in my video, which clearly means you didn't watch my video. You're just like, ah, Jesus, ah, comment, boom. Um, but if someone were to say this to you, how would you respond? Like, if you don't have your answer within the first two seconds, you'll probably just blabber stuff. Um, <laughs> here's another comment. There's nothing unusual about Jesus. He traveled from village to village, preached religion, performed miracles, and healed people. Oh, that's, not, that's nothing unusual? All right. Um, that sort of thing is incredibly common all around the world. India is full of gurus that do the exact same thing. I'm sorry, I still have to hear about a guru that claimed to be God, that was able to forgive sins, that heal people, people who were dead, brought them back, they themselves died and came back. Like, I, I haven't heard of a guru. Maybe if you have, just text me the name. <laughs> but um, a good observation on their part is that they don't deny specific things. They don't deny that miracles took place, which I was quite surprised by. Uh, so maybe the person believes in a supernatural world after all. But you see, it's It comes back to us as being Christians. It's it's pretty easy to paint a picture of who Christ was when we use our Bibles. But have you ever wondered what picture you can paint of Christ without using the Bible? You see, because when we deal with people who don't believe the Bible to be authoritative, we have to meet them where they are. Well, you know, let's take up the challenge. Let's compare Jesus to the same historical historicity level, however a person says that, that we do to every single other ancient historical person. I mean, surely then, when we follow the evidence, like at least that will be a reasonable approach to follow. So, today, what my talk is about I say a talk because I'm not a preacher, um, but I'm teaching today. So, what my talk is about is who was Jesus according to non, ancient non biblical historical writings? And today, we're starting with Thalos. So, Thalos, he was an historian. Here's a picture of what he looked like. I'm not sure how accurate that is. But this is probably the earliest reference we have to someone writing about Jesus outside of the Bible. It was in the first century. And what Thalos wrote was about Jesus' crucifixion. So he mentions Jesus being crucified and that there was a sudden darkness over the land while he was being crucified. But he does this. He tries to explain it away by saying that it was due to an eclipse. Now, in the late first century, Julius Sextus Africanus, who was also a historian, actually refutes Thalos' writings by saying that it is impossible for there to be a crucifixion, because the, the um, impossible crucifixion, uh, sudden darkness due to an eclipse, because the crucifixion took place during Passover. And Passover took place during a full moon. Now, that's the furthest away we can be from an eclipse ever. Like the moon has to be there and the sun has to be there to shine fully on the moon, right? So in eclipse, they have to be like behind each other, right? Well, so, so I love that about Julius Sextus Africanus because some things are interesting about this writing is Thallos does not deny the crucifixion nor deny that there was some or other sudden darkness that came over the land. And This is from a writer who was against Christianity. Let's go to the next one. Pliny the Younger. Now, Pliny was also the most famous civilian administrator in imperial times. He was a Roman lawyer and senator. I don't have that part in my notes. Um, But he mentions Christ. He writes, Christum Maledicere, and here is a direct quote from him. He says, the Christians sung antiphonally a hymn to Christ as if to a god. Now, Pliny goes on to refer to these followers as Christians, these followers of Christ. That's significant because, again, people were singing to Christ as if he was a god. Right, let's keep that in our back minds. Next writer is Suetonius. Now, Suetonius was a Roman lo- writer and lawyer. Uh, he was also a friend of Pliny the Younger, whom we just went through. And he was a secretary to Emperor Hadrian. So he, he wrote the work of The Lives of Caesars. So a, a pretty significant historical figure. And he wrote... He wrote, yeah, yeah, wrote, sorry, mom. He wrote about how Claudius expelled the Jews from Rome because they were making disturbances because of the instigator, Christus is what the word he used. And essentially, what this means is a ruckus being formed by these Christians. I mean, we as Christians would probably call that evangelizing. Like, man, these Christians were going around, make, making a whole bunch of ruckus and fuss, like, they were doing stuff. But I mean, as a Christian, the only stuff we would be doing is sharing about Jesus. Like, I mean, the guy just rose from the dead. He's God and appeared to so many eyewitness testimonies, right? So I want to pause real quick. Because I walk around here while Ed preaches or Dustin preaches and I see some people sleeping. (laughs) So I want everyone to stand up real quick. Yes, good. Let's spin in a circle. Let's go like this. Woo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I know it feels silly, but we're getting the, the blood flowing. All right, let's take our seats. All right, I just want to make sure, like, man, the, brain's go, the blood's going to your brain for oxygen, right? Um, because the next one is pretty significant. It's Cornelius Tacitus. Now, Tacitus is considered the greatest Roman historian of all time. He's considered the greatest Roman historian of all time by historians from universities like Oxford, Princeton, Stanford, Harvard. Um, And Tacitus refers to Christians in his writings, and he names their founder, so here's the first one, names the founder, calling him Christ. He goes on to mention how Christ was crucified by the procurator Pontius Pilate during the reign of Tiberius Caesar. Tacitus goes on to then write about a deadly superstition after the crucifixion. Now, everything beyond that about what this deadly superstition could be would just be our opinions. But a lot of people believe that this deadly superstition refers to the resurrection. But again, there's no actual concrete proof about that. So, so hunkering down in that point would just be inauthentic, unauthentic. It would just be lying intellectually. All right, but he does mention a superstition, a deadly superstition that happened after the crucifixion. Now, this is huge because a Roman historian who wrote about Caesar wrote about Jesus. That's pretty huge. And Jesus Christ, crucified by procurator Pontius Pilate under the reign of Tiberius Caesar. Let's go on to the next one. Serapion, or Marabar Serapion. Now, it's interesting. Um, If you go to the UK right now, you go to the British Museum, you can actually find this manuscript there. Um, So if you haven't gone make a trip to the museum, and go and read it. Well, you probably won't be able to read it. Um, but Serapion mentions the Jews who killed their wise king, and then mentions that the new law that the king of the Jews laid down. Now, I'm sure you remember the title that they put above Jesus' crucifixion, the cross, what he was being charged for. I don't have the verse with me. Oh, oh. But it's in Matthew, exactly, um, the wise king. So, Marabar if you read longer through his manuscript, it's without a doubt referring to Jesus and his crucifixion and they who killed the wise king, the new law that he came to lay out. Let's go to Lucian of Samosata. Now, Lucian mentions Jesus in the following ways. Lucian mentions Christians in Palestine. Lucian goes on to mention Jesus was their prophet, leader, and head of his synagogue. Lucian goes on to mention that they looked up to Jesus as if for God, made him their lawgiver, and chose him as the official patron of the group. Lucian mentions how the man in Palestine was crucified because he brought his new form of initiation into the world. Lucian furthermore mentions that these Christians claim they will live forever, willingly giving themselves to death. Now The story behind that is... Um, They were actually trying to minimize Christianity and the spread of that. And in his writings, he documents that they threatened the Christians with death. Like, hey, if you do not give up the Christian religion, we will kill you. And they were like, yeah, cool, whatever. I'll be with Jesus if you kill me for my faith. And they were like, they couldn't comprehend or understand how easily the Christians were willing to give up their lives for the faith that they had. Now... he concludes by calling Jesus Christ the crucified sophist in his writings. Let's go on to Kelsus. Kelsus was was a Neoplatonist thinker and Greek philosopher. He's known for writing the first official attack on Christianity. And that attack, that writing is called true doctrine. And within these writings, he writes about the claim of Jesus coming from virgin birth which he denies. He writes about it. Hey, you know, the story's going on. Um, And he mentions that he believes Jesus hired himself out to laborers in Egypt where he learned magical powers. Finally, he mentions that Jesus gave himself the title of God. Now, it's interesting. Here's a person who's writing an attack on Christianity who could have easily said he had no magical powers. What does he do? He says, ah, he went to Egypt, and that's where he learns it. Why didn't he just deny that Jesus had superpowers, magical powers, superpowers? You know, this is a person attacking Christianity. It mentions so many things and does not deny that certain things happened. You know, we as Christians, we disagree with Jesus learning his magical powers in Egypt. But the thing in common that we have with celsus is that Jesus had magical powers. The last writer that we're exploring is Flavius Josephus. Now, he has other names as well while he was a Jewish citizen. Came a whole bunch of extra non, non-history that I have to share here. But, but um, he's known as the primary source of Jewish history of the time. He wrote the Jewish Antiquities, or Antiquities of the Jews, he was. He wrote for Emperor Vaspian, Vespasian. Sorry, Vespasian, Vespasian, Titus, and Domitian. Within the antiquities that he wrote, he mentions a couple of things. He mentions Jesus Christ, who had a brother named James. It's pretty cool. Um, Jesus was known to be a wise man. He mentions that Jesus was a worker of amazing deeds and a teacher of the people. He mentions that Jesus was called the Messiah. And mentions that Jesus was crucified by Pontius Pilate. Then he mentions that the tribe Christians were named after Jesus. Now after considering these eight writings, these, these, these eight writings that I just explored, there are more. Um, the following is true regarding Jesus and Christianity. Now there's a lot on this list but remember how we took up the challenge. We took up the challenge to see what attributes can we say is true of Jesus? What, what things about Jesus is true if we were to never open the Bible? And that's a big list. He was crucified. He, there was a sudden supernatural darkness due to crucifixion. You all can read. I don't have to read that again. But it's essentially a summary of what we just went through. And that's pretty extensive. There's a lot of writings that we haven't visited right now. And regardless of whether or not people believe Christianity to be true or not, one cannot argue that Jesus Christ 100% existed when you look at the historical requirement of ancient characters and their evidence. This is not even an issue for scholars of antiquity. Um, This is a quote by Bart Ehrman. He's an agnostic skeptic professor of religious studies. He says, This is not even an issue of scholars of antiquity. The reason for thinking Jesus existed is because he is abundantly attested in early sources. Now again, we said we would hold Jesus to the same standard that we would every single other ancient historical character. So we're going to compare the amount of manuscripts with other historical figures. And as you can see, in second place, we have Homer. 1,800 manuscripts dated 400 years after his death. That's second place. I can't say this name. I was practicing Demosthenes. 200 manuscripts, 1,400 years after. Herodotus, oh, thank you. Yeah, I heard it. Herodotus with eight manuscripts, 1,400 years after. We have Plato with seven manuscripts, 1,200 years after his existence. Caesar mentioned in 10 manuscripts. Pliny with seven manuscripts, 750 years after his existence. I mean, Alexander the Great is mentioned in three manuscripts, 900 years after his existence. Cleopatra is indirectly mentioned in one manuscript. Now, in first place, we have Jesus. 5,800 handwritten Greek manuscripts. 20,000 manuscripts in Latin, Syriac, Coptic, and Arabic, which is a total of over 25,000 manuscripts of the New Testament. Within those those manuscripts, they mention Jesus. First place, second place, (laughs) 1,800. First place, 25,000 and counting because they're still finding manuscripts. That's pretty impressive. Can I say amen? Yeah, woo! Yeah, all right. Now, the question then becomes well, why does this matter? It matters because in a conversation about the historical account of Jesus, if you were to deny the existence of Jesus, you are to deny every other single ancient historical person who ever existed. If you're saying Jesus is not real, it's the same as saying Caesar was not real, Plato was not real. Can you imagine telling someone who just quoted Plato, oh, yeah, yeah, he was imaginary. Like, no one would believe you, right? Now, using the same measuring stick for Jesus, he's the most documented person of ancient history. And that's significant. We haven't opened the Bible yet. The most documented person. We're using manuscripts that we formulated out of the Bible, but, uh, well, that formed the Bible Now, we all have to do something with this. You know, some people think he's moderately important, but when you look at the historical evidence of who Jesus was, it's time, if you haven't yet, to wake up. I won't let you stand and turn around again, but when we look at the life of Nicodemus, we see, well, he wants to go, but he doesn't go. He's missing out because he's not willing to take the full step. He likes his life too much. So now the question becomes, well, do you like your life too much? You know, is Jesus more than a piece of furniture in your house? Is Jesus the spouse? Or is he your boss? The one you tiptoe around, the one you, you make sure he doesn't completely find out about the the wrong you've done? Or is he the person that if he was missing tomorrow out of your life it would be extremely significant? Or if he was missing tomorrow, would you still come to church just for the mingle? Because that's the question we have to ask ourselves today. Is who is Jesus to us? You know, if I were to wake up tomorrow, and Jeannie was out of my life. I lost Jeannie, she was taken away. My life would be in ruins. Like she's the cornerstone of our family. Like that's pretty significant. Is Jesus like your spouse? Is that the type of relationship you have with him? Or is he like the buddy that, ah, if he goes away, it's fine. So, you can't deny that Jesus existed anymore. So, either Jesus was a liar, he was either a lunatic, or he was Lord. It's only one of those three things. When you look at the writings, what he claims he's all about is a liar, lunatic, or Lord. In Luke 9, Jesus asked the question, who do you say I am? Now, this is a question for each of us personally today. Who do you say I am? Now You might not know who he is, and that's why we have the Bible. Remember, We've gone through this whole journey of looking, well, what's true about Jesus outside of the Bible? Well, sure, yeah, now we've discovered what is true. Our next step is to actually open the book That talks about his character, his attributes, who he was, his journey. Like it's at least the next honestly intellectual step if you're seeking truth. Because remember, we can't discredit him just because the Bible exists. And now we don't want to open it up because... Because the Bible, if it says anything and nothing externally confirms it, like it can't just be true because it says so. Well, now we've gone through evidence about a whole bunch of attributes of Jesus. And it's in scriptures when we open the Bible. I have interesting conversations with Ed about certain books he reads about certain leaders in the past. And I'm not gonna steal his thunder because he'll still bring it up sometime in his sermons but the book he's reading is the book that contains all the info about this historical person. Imagine I told Ed, Ed, that's not true because you have to use other things. Just because his book says so doesn't make it true. We would never say something like that because we know that the person was very well attested in history. I would argue that Jesus is still more attested and that's a recent historical figure. So we have to do something with this. If you're in a journey, um, can the band come up? I'm not going to wait until I pray for the band to come up. Um, if you're on a journey right now and you're not sure who Jesus was or who Jesus is to you, if you're not sure about a next step that you should take, like maybe you're like, man, this is what I've been waiting for. Like, all right, Jesus is real. All right, and these things are confirmed. Or, oh, supernatural things in, in ancient historical documents are confirmed by Jesus. Maybe that's the invitation or step you require right now to further explore who he is. Maybe that's like, you know what, I'm going to take this step. If truth matters, I'm going to explore this truth. Maybe you're a Christian right now who was doubting that. Like, I ah, mean, I wasn't sure if Jesus existed. Well, now you have what you have. In the seats in front of you, if you have a little sleeve, I print out a little infographic. And it's a challenge for you. If you don't have a sleeve, there's a whole bunch in the other sleeves. Someone could just grab them and then just hand them out. But the challenge is, man, if you now know that Jesus is real, the challenge is for you to share this with someone else. Whenever someone else bashes Christianity or something, I said, man, asking the question, well... You know you keep bashing this but what do you make of the historical account of Jesus you're like oh I don't know well he actually existed in history and then you start like bringing out the infographic you can save it on your phone it's available on my on my website as well I'm not promoting myself but but um the challenge is to grow Now, 1st Peter 3 verse 15 and 16 again says regard Christ the Lord your God as holy being always prepared to give an answer when someone asks you for the good news that you have. Now the step in being prepared is to prepare. And now you have this, so there's no excuse. But if you're at a stage where, where you struggle, you have certain places where Jesus needs to be stepping into, Now is that time. If you're at a stage where, man, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Christianity a go now's the time to do that if you're already a Christian you'll be like yeah I got ammunition (laughs) not ammunition we have to do it with gentleness and reverence and respect not with the same methods of the people of this world I want us to pray together if you're on any one of those that I just listed this prayer is for you which essentially means it's for everyone Father, as we come here as a church today, we want to speak the name Jesus. And Father, some of us are afraid to speak that name because we're not sure what it means to us yet. We're not sure what that means. We're not sure if our lives first have to be in order to invite you in. And Father, for some of us, we're, we're just excited that so much in history points to you. You encourage us to ask questions. You encourage us to be prepared. And that's what we're doing. And If we're not doing it, that's what we should be doing. Father, this morning as a church, we speak your name into our lives. We invite you into our lives. We thank you for being in our life. And we thank you for being on this earth so many years ago. We thank you that when we explore truth, the end destination will always come to you. We thank you for who you are and who you have revealed yourself to be. We thank you for Jesus. As we're about to worship, we know the words, your name is power. name is life. That's just who you are. We thank you and we bring this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're thinking about giving your life to Christ, if you've maybe taken that step, just meet us afterwards after the service here in front. But together now, let's stand as we worship.